0: Now, it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. G.K. Chesterton, a great Catholic writer in the 19th century, once said, Ambition is a dysfunctional desire of power and honor. Now, don't get him wrong. Power and honor are good in of themselves. In fact, That's how we describe God, isn't it? We describe God as all-powerful God. How about honor? Honor indicates virtue. Honor points to something virtuous. Almost every day in our liturgical year, we are honoring saints who live the virtuous life. And so power and honor are good and of themselves. But when they come together and they serve exclusively for the purpose of building up the ego, that's when they both become corrupt. That's when we see ambition in a negative light. Well, we see that on display at the very beginning of the gospel for this weekend. How does it start? James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us what we ask of you. He replied, What do you wish me to do for you? They answered him, Grant that in your glory we may sit one on your right— And the other on your left. Well, the gospel begins with James and John approaching God the wrong way. They're demanding something from God, in this case, positions of power. Remember, the apostles repeatedly mistook Jesus' identity. They truly believe he is the Messiah, but a warrior or political Messiah that will overthrow the current regime in Israel and establish a new administration, a new government. Remember just a few weeks ago, the apostles were arguing amongst themselves as far as who was the greatest. Well, they are jockeying for positions of power. Now, the same thing is happening, and yet it seems it's getting worse. James and John are asking Jesus, you know, to sit on his right and on his left. Now, these are prominent positions of great power. Here's the first lesson we can take from this. How not to approach Jesus. We cannot approach God by demanding something. Now, where else do we see this? People demanding something from God. Well, how about the classic story of Mary and Martha? Jesus goes over to their house for dinner. He sits down and he begins teaching. Mary sits at his feet and she takes it all in. Martha, being the good hostess, is running about and doing all the work. Then, out of sheer frustration, she goes up to Jesus and yells at him and says, tell her to help me. Well, it's never a good thing, first, if we yell at God. And second, it's never a good thing if we tell God what to do. Now, what's Jesus' response? Does he become angry? No. Is he disappointed? No. Does he lose his patience? Because the apostles once again are consumed with ambition. No, in fact, just the opposite. He displays great patience and is very gentle with them. He uses it as a valuable teaching tool. He says to them, Do you know what you are asking? Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Here, the apostles have no idea what they're asking. Yes, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the king, not just of Israel, but of the entire universe. He does wear a crown, yet it is not of gold, it's of thorns. He will mount a throne, and yet it is not bedecked by jewels or fine linens. It is the cross. St. John of the Cross once said, Jesus is glorified when he is raised up on the cross. Jesus' glory is not found in this world. Instead, it's found in that self-sacrificing love that he performs when mounting the cross. What Jesus is trying to teach the apostles and us is that divine glory is not the same as human glory because human glory is tainted by sin. Divine glory is always associated with love, the self-surrendering, self-sacrificing love of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's why Jesus says next, the cup that I drink you will drink and with the baptism with I am baptized you will be baptized. Glory is only found in self-sacrificing acts of love. With Jesus on the cross and with us serving others and God in this world, we must give our life away as a gift to others. And we do that through service, through the church, through our communities. How does the world define glory? with the inflated ego. You know, a great example of this is Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong, he won many of these Tour de France titles year after year after year. His ego was inflated. He had a great desire for glory. And those championships, winning those races, gave him glory, but glory of this world. That's why he stopped at nothing to attain that glory. And we have found out now, And we found out also the tragedy that he cheated in order to obtain this glory. You know, what we find in Lance Armstrong is the tragedy of a fallen hero. And yet, how does Christ define glory? Just the opposite of the world. Emptying out the ego and offering our lives in service to others. When Jesus refers to the cup that he must drink, the baptism he must be baptized in, He's referring to his passion and death. Christ, yes, will suffer to the point of death motivated out of love for us. And see, now in this gospel passage, he tells the apostles that they too must suffer. Herein lies the next lesson for us. Yes, the hallmark of genuine discipleship is service to others. Giving ourselves away, giving our time, talent, our treasure, our skills and abilities away for the benefit of others. But Jesus is now telling us and the apostles, in the midst of this service to others, we may be required to suffer. More to it, to bear the burden of other people's suffering. In the true imitation of Christ, as Christ suffered for us, now we may have to suffer for others in this world. Now this may make us feel a little uneasy. We have to suffer for God Well, this may make us feel a little uncomfortable, but this is what Jesus is preparing the apostles and us for. Now, why? Well, when you look at Christ on the cross, you see suffering and love united in the most powerful way. And in doing so, Christ is given glory. And see, it is in those acts of love that we perform for other people that sometimes we are required to suffer for those services, those acts of love. We have to bear the burdens of others. Should this surprise us? No. From the very moment of our baptism, we began to participate in the life of Christ. Therefore, there are at times when we have to bear the burden, bear the suffering of other people. Now, I would argue many people are doing just that, and yet they never realized it. I'll give you a great example. Parent. A parent that stays awake all night long tending to a sick child. Parent does suffer. They don't get any sleep the entire night. More to it, they may suffer from sitting in an uncomfortable chair, and yet they do it motivated by love. Now, the child... The child truly is suffering from some illness, and yet every time that child wakes up, he sees his mom or his dad sitting right next to his bedside. And in doing so, his suffering is ever so slightly alleviated, ever so slightly reduced, because that parent now has entered into the child's suffering, is bearing some of the burden of that suffering, and now has reduce that child's suffering ever so slightly. There's that great story of St. Francis of Assisi. Before his conversion, he had a great revulsion to leprosy. Every time he saw a leper, he immediately turned around and quickly ran in the opposite direction. After his conversion, one day he was walking down a road and he encountered a leper coming towards him. Suddenly, all those fears began to well up inside of him. His first instinct was to run away like he has been in the past. And yet, he walked over and embraced the man, even kissed him, and was filled with joy. As he continued on in his journey, he looked back and the man disappeared. Francis entered into the experience or into the suffering of that leper. He bore the burden of that leper's suffering. And in doing so, that leper, ever so slightly, his suffering was reduced by Francis, now entering in or bearing the burden of his suffering. See, this lies at the very heart of Jesus' message for this weekend. That's why he says at the very end, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Sometimes we have to bear the burden of other people's suffering, always motivated by love. I'll give you some examples. At our parish, there are people that distribute communion to shut-ins or people in nursing homes. Now, these shut-ins, these people in nursing homes, they suffer. They suffer from loneliness. They suffer from poor health. And yet these people that bring them communion, they enter into their suffering by visiting them. Now they bear part of the burden of their suffering. And in doing so, now these shut-ins, these people in nursing homes, their suffering is reduced ever so slightly because now someone else is bearing the burden of their suffering. Maybe you know a coworker, a neighbor, or a friend that is having problems, whatever it is. Well, you go and you talk to them. Better yet, you listen to them. You know, most of the times when we are having problems, the one thing we want is someone to just listen to us. See, when somebody listens to us, they legitimize our problems that we actually are acknowledging. Yeah, we have a serious problem and the person is ready to help. See, when you do that, again, motivated by love, you now are bearing that person's suffering. Now their suffering has gradually been reduced ever so slightly maybe you've experienced the loss of a loved one the loss of a grandparent a parent god forbid a child you suffered greatly and yet now you just learned there's someone in your neighborhood maybe a coworker maybe a friend who's experienced that same loss you know exactly what they're thinking exactly what they're feeling you go to them and you start talking to them you listen to them. Now you enter into their suffering. You begin to bear the burden of their suffering. Motivated by love, you do this. And what happens? Now the suffering of that person is alleviated, reduced ever so slightly because of you, because of you bearing the burden of their suffering. See, this leads to the heart of Jesus' message. Yes, discipleship is all about service, but it's also about bearing the burden of other people's suffering so that they can feel some sort of comfort during this terrible time in their life. I'll leave you with just one last thought. Mother Teresa, she would always tell her nuns almost every day. She would say, never do great things out of ambition, but instead do little things with great love. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.